I got a podcast, y'all. Get up one time. Oh, you're not gonna back me up in the you background? Didn't tell me which one. Wow. To do it. Let's try that again. <laughs> wow. I said I got a podcast, y'all. Hey. Come on, get up one time. Hey. A little late on that second A, but it's all good. You know what? <laughs> I am six 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 years. Welcome to Memoir Lane Podcast, Episode 1. This podcast is where we read memoirs and discuss the lessons they have to offer. We're building a community of people who love to read and enjoy connection and good conversation around these powerful stories. And I'm excited to tell you a little more about that at the end of the episode. I'm so happy you're tuned in today for a discussion on our first memoir, A Heart That Works by Rob Delaney. Joining me today is a very special guest who you may know from such things as being my younger sister. It's Carmen. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm so glad that you could join me on Zoom. Thank God for Zoom. So, Carmen, (laughs) I invited you to read with me and appear as a guest on my podcast, but I didn't think about the fact that Not only are people always like, you guys look just alike and constantly mistaking us for each other. People always say they cannot tell our voices apart. I'm just now thinking about that. Do you think that's going to be a problem today? Well, I can't speak for the audience, but if mom were here, I know that would definitely be a problem because all three of us sound exactly like we do have mom's voice. The other day I called her and I was on the phone like, mom, you sound exactly like me. She's like, oh, I sound tired. Just like, okay, mom. (laughs) Such a mom response. (laughs) Yeah. And the answer to that would be yes. People are always like, did I wake you? It doesn't matter if it's like four o'clock in the evening. They're like, oh, I'm sorry I woke you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Say it without saying it. Damn. Anyway, (laughs) let me tell you how I came across this book, because this wasn't the book that we were supposed to record for our first episode. We actually read a book. We are still going to record that episode in the future. I saw this interview on Instagram on CBS Mornings with Gail King. Rob Delaney, the author of this book, was on there, and he was having a really emotional talk with Gail. She was having a hard time not crying. She's like, I can't even look at you without, you know, crying. He's like, I want that reaction from people. My son is dead. He's not coming back. I was just really taken aback. It was short, but it was like very emotional. That's not something I'm used to seeing on morning TV. So as soon as I saw that video, I was like, Carmen, change of plans, U-turn, skirt, skirt. We got to read this book. (laughs) 2016, Rob Delaney's one-year-old son, Henry, was diagnosed with a brain tumor. The family had moved from Los Angeles to London with their two younger boys when his wife was pregnant with their third son, Henry. The move was an adventure that would bind them even more tightly together as they navigated the novelty of London, the culture clashes, the funhouse experience of Rob's fame, thanks to his role as co-creator and co-star of the hit series Catastrophe. Henry's illness was a cataclysm that changed everything about their lives. Amid the hospital routine, surgeries, and brutal treatments, They found a newfound community of nurses, aides, caregivers, and fellow parents contending with the unthinkable. Two years later, 
Henry died and his family watched their world fall away to reveal the things that mattered most. Delaney's memoir, profound, painful, full of emotion, and bracingly honest, offers solace to those who have faced devastation and shows us grace may appear even in the darkest times. I want to know, Carmen, what stood out about the author's writing? What I can say, aside from the fact that it was amazing, was that you felt like you were listening to your friend tell you everything that he's been through for the past few years. You felt like you already know him. I agree. I loved reading it, loved the audible. I thought that was really well executed. Yeah, it almost makes you feel like you're in his diary or in his mind. One thing I like about the way he wrote this book is that he's not trying to make it digestible for the reader. He's not trying to offer you this hopeful version of events that happened. It's very apparent that he's in a lot of pain. He's not trying to soften the edges of that. He's got anger. The book is intense, full of love. He's not holding back at all in my opinion. Right. I think that's what made this book so different as well is that used to reading books where they are trying to appeal to the reader. And in this case, that was not happening. So what was your favorite part of this book? My favorite part of this book for me, it was his message, what he said at the end of chapter one was I genuinely believe, whether it's true or not, that if people felt a fraction of what my family felt and still feels, they would know what this life in this world are really about. I think it's so important to deliver that message to people because life is short. Life is fleeting, fragile. It's so easy for us to go on about our day like lost isn't going to happen to us, especially if we haven't experienced it. With this story, we're faced with that reality that these fucked up things do happen to people. And when they happen, you know, it it made me wonder to myself, like, if I'm doing enough to love on the people around me, because that is, to me, what life is all about. I feel like that's the message I got overall. You got to love the people who are around you and make your time with them really count because when it's over, it's over and it will be over. Right. And one of my favorite things about this book is that he talks about listening to sad music when he's actually sad. And I love that because so many times I'm sad and I'm listening to sad music and whoever I'm near will be like, oh, listen to that crap. Turn it off. Oh, blah. Like, no, like I want to feel my way out of my sadness and what's wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. And I just like that he added that in. And then, you know, like the people who are listening are like, oh, well, you know, like he just kind of makes you think about things a little bit differently. This is a man who's really in touch with his feelings, which is so refreshing. After the loss of his son, he's not trying to make you comfortable around his pain. He's not trying to do that thing that we all do where you're really hurting, but you don't want to tell anybody because you don't want to make them worried or sad or upset or, you know, have to probably take care of their feelings when you're already in the thickness of grief. Right. When he's like confronted with a situation where 
his feelings are overwhelming him. He's missing his son. He's crying. He's grieving, doing any number of those things. He will tell the people in his life, I'm fucked up. I'm grieving right now. This is where I'm at mentally. Like, this is why I'm displaying these feelings instead of trying to, you know, I'm okay my way out of everything. I love his level of emotion and expression, the way he loves his son and the way he loves his family. That love and that expression of love is not just for his son, but his other sons and his wife and the community that surrounds him. This book has a lot of humorous moments. It's got so many painful elements to it, you know, besides the fact that Henry is diagnosed with cancer, has to battle through cancer and become even more fucked up from all the treatment that he receives. He also loses his brother-in-law to suicide. And still, somehow, he manages to infuse his humor into this story. It's like, I guess you got to, like they say, laugh to keep from crying sometimes. Like, what were your favorite funny moments from this book? I thought his monotone delivery was just, it was just hilarious. Like, it's just, how can you be going through all these things and still find a way to make it funny? But he does it, like, perfectly. But all I can tell you guys is that you fuck with Mr. Tumble, you fuck with me. (laughs) I'm going to have to let you guys figure that one out on your own, though. That is a funny quote from the book. And we're not going to spoil that one for you. That one is funny. I loved the most was when his father-in-law is like, I wish it was me instead of Henry. Sorry. We all do. (laughs) Yeah. We all do, Richard. (laughs) Yeah. And that is Rob's response. We do too, Richard. You laugh as you read the story. You know that Rob is completely fucking serious. Like, I wish everybody was dead, especially the older people who get to live their whole lives, except for my son, (laughs) which understandably so. That's not like the natural order of things to happen for you to lose your child. And it was kind of funny and fucked up at the same time. One part of the story where he's talking about the stupid shit people say to you when you lose somebody who dies. And one guy was like, after finding out that his son had cancer, yeah, my grandpa had cancer and he recovered. And he was like, (laughs) fuck you, fuck your grandpa and all this other shit. (laughs) Like who says some shit like that to somebody after you talk about your child's cancer diagnosis. And then you're like, well, my grandpa had cancer, but he lived. It's like, Shut the fuck up. (laughs) I love that they allowed his brothers, who around this time, I don't even think they're over the year, the age of five years old, they allow them to not just spend time with him, but they're teaching them how to take care of him. And I think that's really important for kids, especially dealing with something so traumatic. And that stood out to me too, the way that they rally around each other the way they decided to put their relationship first and the way that Rob's wife put boundaries on the relationship. She basically gave him an ultimatum. If you continue to put work before your family, I'm going to leave you. So I think a lot of that credit 
for the way that they were able to handle things and try their best to balance still giving their other son's time, attention, and care the best that they could is due to his wife, Leah, putting her foot down and creating those boundaries around the way things were going to work out. And he was able to do that as somebody who was creating a TV show and starring in it. When his wife told him she was about to be out, if things didn't change, he made it work. So another life lesson there. Don't let people tell you that they don't have time because people make time for what matters to them. If your career is blossoming, at the end of the day, you still have to be a father. It's your job to be as involved. It's so easy to let mom take on all of the responsibility and agony that is something that stood out to me in the book is the fact that they worked together. And he says there was a time where the responsibility was piling up on his wife. We're all kind of used to that happening to women, but it seems like they really did try their best to be of service to each other and their kids in this time. What is our next question? What did this book book teach you? So what did it be? This book taught me, for those of you who could not translate what she just asked me, (laughs) (laughs) the question was, what did this book teach you? This book retaught me a simple concept, really easy to take these things for granted or know these things and forget them until we need to remember them again. When somebody is going through grief, like I said, this lesson, I'm taking this lesson away from it because I haven't been through having to walk somebody through cancer and having lost a loved one that was that close to me or a child. When people are grieving, don't check out on them. Don't try to make yourself more comfortable. Just show up and be of service however you can. It's really easy for us to try and Make it about us saying that we can't show up for our friends and family because we don't want to say the wrong thing or just ignoring them because that thing is too hard to name. I don't want to bring that up and make you upset all over again when they're already upset. They're just showing you varying degrees of their grief. Don't be afraid to say stupid shit. I've said a lot of stupid shit to people that are grieving, sadly. Luckily, the people I've said stupid shit to still speak to me. I think it's all about intentionality. You don't have to have an answer for somebody's grief. You don't have to try to find the silver lining or hush them. Sometimes you just have to show up, cook a meal, clean up after them. Sometimes showing up just looks like listening or crying with them or naming the person that they love. That's something I actually took with me after I read this book and I did apply it to my life with several people. I'm usually okay about, you know, letting people be able to talk to me about hard stuff. I don't feel the need to like run when people are hurting and they want to share their pain. I was a little bit more intentional after reading this book about showing love to people who are hurting. 
What did this book teach you? This book taught me that we got to live our lives. We need to feel our emotions and let the people around us know what we're feeling. Like we have to give them the realest versions of ourselves. And why stop? Because we're grieving. And also to kind of like piggyback of what you were saying, like, you know, you see somebody that you're going through, going through something. No, not somebody that you're going through. That sounds wrong. Whenever you're going through somebody, (laughs) they're going through somebody else. Facts. When you see someone that you love going through something, don't just say, if there's anything I can do, let me know. Like, they're going through something traumatic and life-changing. So what makes you think they're going to come looking for you to say, hey, I want to cash in on that offer? Like, no. If your genuine intent is to help them or to be there for them, just get in there and do it. Yeah, like, I had this coupon good for one free service. Good for one lean on, like, nah, dude. <laughs> yeah, like, let's take that responsibility off of the people who are already going through shit to be responsible for us to show up for them. It's exactly it's Bullshit. 2023, guys. <laughs> like, oh, let's, yo, shit. <laughs> yeah, let's own it, be there, uplift each other, just hold each other, create the space for feeling. One of my favorite quotes on the subject of grief is that grief is the final act of love grief is such a long enduring thing I have you know grieved over people who have passed away not my own child I think what I enjoyed about the story was the grief he's expressing is that ultimate act of love and writing this story is just a love letter to human experience he had and a love letter to his son he loves his son so much that was felt on every single page of this book beautiful job rob delaney we hope you get a copy this book i believe you're going to come back to time and time again that's what i love about the memoir genre stepping into somebody else's shoes that's why i'm creating this community I want to thank my sister who's giving me the sign that I'm talking too much. (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank my sister for being here, whatever, for my first episode. She's my favorite person to talk to. And we had some cute moments and like a lot of back and forth about this book. It was a joyful experience. (laughs) Oh, joy. Thank you, Carmen. I had a good time with you. This blooper's on the way. (laughs) (laughs) And there are many of them. (laughs) I wanted to add something, but now I can't stop laughing. (laughs) I just wanted to say to all my other fellow grievers out there, feel it and just let it flow. Be unapologetic about it. Amen, sis. Amen. Like Rob Delaney. Love you so much. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast so other people can find this podcast as well. If you know a book lover, share this episode with them. You can find Memoir Lane Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Both handles are Memoir Lane Podcast. The Facebook group is where we're going to be hosting the book club and discussions. More details to follow. 
starting today until February 6th, we're doing a giveaway for a $100 Amazon gift card. If you would like to enter to win, all you have to do is screenshot your review of this podcast, share it on your social media story, and tag Memoir Lane. It's easier than the Mega Millions, baby, so take your shot. (laughs) I appreciate you guys tuning in today. Take care.